0: Now, the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together.
1: It's the substandard expanded universe. Welcome back to the SSEU podcast, the 54th episode think that's right the sseu podcast is available on itunes google 55th. podcast google play is it the 55th mm-hmm. you can find us on itunes google play google podcast stitcher overdraft no what's it called OneDrive. one, drive. one- <laughs> google drive google drive. sky skyfall Dropbox. fox, Drop fox. <laughs> <laughs> you can send us emails at sseupod at gmail.com we are the, pod, the only podcast with a moat, with alligators. Chris and Ryan, are you here? I'm here. Yep. And we have a recurring guest for today's episode. How many times has he been on now? Four? Too many. Flag, welcome back to the podcast. It's my first uh, post-sabbatical
2: Reentry into the podcast that's true
1: so um, did did they like your sabbatical report where you talked about the poems you've written and
2: i haven't written it yet
1: (laughs) when oh when is that supposed to be in
2: i i think i missed the deadline
1: (laughs) flag has tenure (laughs) so who cares
3: exactly
2: (laughs)
0: i'll get this
3: flag's motto is
0: seeing i'll get this to you next sabbatical (laughs)
3: Flag's uh, motto is just seeing exactly what tenured means. Just stretching <laughs> yeah. boundaries. Yeah, we want to push those
2: boundaries. Um, yeah, I'm I'm nervous that this uh, non-sabbatical life is is going to be deadly to my um, poetry output. So we'll
3: have to see. As long as there's other forms of output. Speaking of output, um, where are you on the Bristol Stool scale recently?
2: Uh, I'm going to say a three. Is that is so, that is that hard or soft? Uh, I think that's healthy. It's sort of okay. not.
3: That's not right where you
2: want to be. Okay. Not I'm not shitting golf balls. <laughs> you want to be? Uh, you want to be in the three to six? Yeah. Th- neither, three to six. neither golf balls nor water. There so God. it's it's a good place to be.
0: That's I think like doctors like use that you know as as a determination of your health. Well, you're not shitting golf ball, balls or water, so. I think you're in pretty good health. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's all we're gonna do. Flag next doctor
3: year. is here. I'm assuming he doesn't examine his own stool. Flag you've been sending it to Thomas, right? Thomas,
1: how how, how would you say his stool is? Is is it healthy? It's right where he wants to be. It's definitely better than Bernie Sanders. Ooh. So Ooh. So he's doing fine. I, I don't think we wanna leave that in. <laughs> Wasn't JVL
0: saying that now I'm like, you know, a bypass is like hip hip surgery? <laughs>
1: what i don't yeah, it's, 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 it's he said better. that he
0: said that on the secret bot today <laughs> oh it's like so like the news broke while they were recording well you didn't so... get a
3: bypass you got a stent and yeah that it that's, oh, that's okay. probably accurate yeah where a stent it's not all that scary it's yeah
1: flag while you were on the sabbatical did you keep up with the oberlin story at all
2: uh, i did i did i read the uh I mean, I read the long piece in commentary. I don't know
1: if you've seen that. It was
2: by a retired Oberlin professor. It was very good. And, and I think I followed some of it as it was um, wow happening.
1: Does it sound like Oberlin is like Skidmore?
2: No, no, no. Skidmore is, is not that nutty. Uh, Skidmore has its, has its problems. I mean, and...
3: They may have consent fest, but they, they have boundaries. <laughs> Correct. Uh, what was uh, the climate strike day like on Skidmore?
2: Maybe I just didn't notice, but I didn't see any craziness going on during the climate strike. I think I think uh, there must have been some stuff out on the quad, but I didn't. I didn't did notice it. You see the it. video
3: of of the dude twerking and glitter being thrown on him? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, I did. That was all over the place. You couldn't not know. see it. Yeah, was... <laughs> I've yet to know uh, to to find out like what that you heck
2: haven't is seen. it,
0: Thomas? You need to see it.
2: You didn't yeah. see the connection uh, between the climate
3: problem and. That guy's short shorts and ass. All right, we need to pause the show. Um, can someone bing it and send it to Thomas, please? Okay, hold on.
0: I've got it saved. It's my background on my phone. <laughs> Climate twerker. Is that what you would uh, Google? Yeah. I haven't I haven't googled it before. this is the first time. <laughs> Six days ago sounds about right, doesn't it?
3: Sounds about right. But don't don't he Google. surfaced a couple don't. days later. Because someone was like, this This is this guy's job. Like, he just goes around yeah. to protest and twerks. Don't Google bare ass climate twerking.
0: <laughs> All right, there you go, Thomas.
1: Okay, here we go. <laughs> Deep breath, it's heartbeat.
2: Shaq Thomas' heartbeat.
3: Next semester, there's going to be a class at Skidmore called Climate Twerking.
1: This guy does this for a living, you say, Chris?
3: (laughs) Well, there was an almost identical video that posted a few days later at a different event where it appears that this guy just goes around and, and, like, that's what he does. Maybe he was joking about it. They're like, yeah, this guy has, you know, $80,000 in student loans and, like, this is his job is, like, climate twerking.
1: Well, I mean, there are professional protesters yeah. oh yeah in fact i would bet that half they're, half they're of
0: professional dancers
1: i bet half of like
3: left-wing protesters are professionals like, they're they're probably paid by some some group to go organize
1: chris what have you been up to the past week
3: it is sweater weather thomas yeah it <laughs> is sweater weather ryan is if
0: so you've been, you been now?
2: sweater shopping? Yeah, like, like been um,
0: it's been between 95 and 97 degrees for the last three weeks. So, yeah, you know. Once it, drops you, below, once it drops below 100, it just... Sweater weather. Ugh, oh, so cold. Well, okay, well, I, I assume that it was still pool weather, and
3: that sucks for you because you got kicked out of the pool.
0: <laughs> yeah, we just have to watch. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All the families still enjoying the pool, you know, into the fall. And the boys just stand at the fence and just just watch them. Wait, Mm. they kicked the boys out too? I thought they just kicked you out. Well, I mean, they're not allowed to go by themselves.
1: So uh, I spent uh, this uh, past weekend in Los Angeles for a conference. I drove to LA because I enjoy driving, and it's only a five-hour-ish drive, something like that. So I crossed the border into California. I get to Coachella, where uh, I had to stop and fuel up. I realized that the gas price had jumped by $1.50 just from Ooh, ju- just from crossing yeah. the
0: border. Just crossing the border. Because what are, what are the state taxes on gasoline in California? Aren't they, like, astronomically higher than the state taxes in Arizona? Or does Arizona even have state taxes on gas?
3: I'm actually not sure. By paying their state taxes, I think you put a significant dent in global warming. Oh, yeah. So you did your job.
0: You stopped it. That extra dollar
2: fifty per <laughs> gallon. If he had twerked while he was pumping the gas, <laughs>
0: <laughs> global temperatures would have plummeted. Right.
3: What, what makes you think he didn't?
0: It, it would be it would be in the eighties in Texas right now, Thomas. You, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, because Thomas didn't know about the climate no. twerking possibility no. until just now. So,
1: do we know that Ming has seen this? Does he know this is another way to offset climate twerking? <laughs>
2: I yeah. Hey, you were with him. You could have you could have
3: discussed
1: this. So uh, in LA, I had a, a two day conference and then. Uh, whoa whoa whoa
3: whoa! You did more than just pay more money for gas. Okay, so you, stayed a conference. <laughs>
2: you didn't turn around and go right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've
2: done my part. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so a two day conference and then on uh, Sunday uh, I met up with uh, Shark and Ming uh, from the SSEU. We, of course, got In-N-Out, which is the SSEU's uh, favorite fast food burger. After is that, it, oh, Was
2: it, it all you had hoped it would be?
0: Was that your first In-N-Out no, burger? Uh, no,
1: or? I've had it plenty of times. I, oh. I knew it was good. Although Ming did teach me a new but trick. But
0: you went to the original, because, I mean, it started in Southern California.
1: Yeah, although I don't think that way. We went to the one that's in Westwood, right next to UCLA's campus. I'm not
0: saying you went to the actual originals. I don't, I'm just saying you went to the home of In-N-Out. Right.
1: But the important. I went
0: to the the original McDonald's where
3: Nick Offerman and his brother
0: were cheated <laughs> out of their. Uh, that's son of a bitch, Michael Keaton.
1: Right. but but the important part of this story is that Ming taught me how to order fries at In and Out. Uh, so you should order, order them crispy or well I'm done. And have fries with that.
0: Crispy or well done,
1: and they are much better than the the regular ones because they make them from scratch and they're great. Uh, I like
0: the regular in and out fries.
1: And uh, so. Shark ordered. Um, I'm not sure what they call it, but when you get the burger in just a lettuce wrap, okay. which apparently also is a thing. Yeah, uh, it's
0: a like a. Uh, a low carb burger, basically.
1: Yeah, and then we had, uh, then we had ice cream, and walked by the movie theater where Margot Roby uh, goes to see her own movie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
3: Oh yeah, I saw that. That's pretty cool. Did you tell them that you were in the movie,
0: and did they let you in for free?
1: N- no, and no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that would have been great. I wonder how many people have done that.
1: Yeah,
0: like, they're just like the first one. You are not, the movie's been out for five weeks now. You're the 56th person that's come up and said, (laughs) I'm
1: in the movie. (laughs) Uh, Before I met up with them, uh, I went to Hollywood because I wanted to see the the Walk of Fame and all of the stars on the ground and the Chinese theater and things like that. Hollywood's a dump. As soon as you go off the the Walk of Fame or Hollywood Boulevard, uh, you start fearing for your life. Or if you continue really? from the Chinese theater, if you go enough blocks in either direction, it's the same. Like it, it, Even enough blocks. How many blocks did you go? I don't know. I kept following the stars. The clever gangs
0: that rob tourists have uh, have some fake stars, you know, that
3: <laughs> into, like, a crack house. Yeah, like, really run out of star, Like, so, like,
1: it's... Yeah. They're really stretching it with the stars, but at the end, it's, like, uh, it's like earnest. So, so I, I didn't buy any crack because that appears to also be taxed higher. It was much more expensive than here in Phoenix. Uh, and then I went to the Griffith Observatory from uh, La La Land. That's the only thing it's from, yeah. <laughs> That
0: that's totally they, they, they built it for that they movie. For <laughs> <laughs> Lala man Damien Chavalier He, he, he commissioned
1: the... Yeah, and you had you had a really nice view of of LA. It was gorgeous. But here's the thing. Visiting LA, just fine. Just fine. Living there, I could not imagine it. No, neither. Not even
0: for the
2: weather.
1: It nope. seems like hell. You're saying just the traffic or the crime or housing prices? uh, I would love to live in it. What? Traffic, housing prices, gas prices, the people. The the weather is the only redeeming factor.
0: Yeah, but it's pretty good, though.
1: (laughs) It's really easy to get medical marijuana. Uh, yeah when uh, when i parked by ucla to go meet up with uh, shark and ming the first thing i see is like a pharmacia which is recreational marijuana store whatever um yeah no not a fan not a, they 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 can keep it do they still drink
3: what is it wheatgrass they still drink that out there you could, go, you could have gone to the California
2: pizza kitchen.
1: I did no. go to the California well, can't pizza. You get that pizza. anywhere else. <laughs> we, no, you
2: cannot. We, <laughs> you cannot. Only in California.
1: We did go there after one of the panels. We had a post-panel drink, and the pizza kitchen was right next to the hotel. So we went there. So I didn't, ha- exciting. I didn't actually have their pizza. I still don't know what that tastes like. You
2: actually went to the
1: <laughs> California pizza <laughs> kitchen. Ryan, I believe that we have continued negotiations with uh, Eliana at the Free Beacon. Oh sure. Uh, and that, and that we have a new pitch to her? Right.
0: Yeah. Look, I was just looking at all the podcasts that I've subscribed to and just trying to figure out what can we do to, you know, maximize um you know, our worth to the audience. And I'm just looking at, you know, they're all everybody's specialized. Everybody, you know, whatever it does politics, you know, does movies, does just pop culture comedy, whatever it is. And I'm just like going down the list. Okay. Do we do this better than them? No. Do we do this better than them? No. Do we do this? All right. Well, okay. Not the best, but are we in the top 50 for doing that? No, we're not. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, everybody's specialized. So I watched Moneyball and I was like, all right, so what can we do here? And I didn't figure it out. Like we can just do everything like every podcast can do one thing better than us but we could do 10 things better than any podcast so we could be a movie podcast we could be a politics podcast we could be a comedy podcast and we never give our listeners like a heads up on what episode is going to be what it's just you know whatever we decide in the moment is <laughs> is is what it is based on how Thomas edits it say. so i figure unpredictability and, you know, being a, like, um, there's that book by David Epstein that's out right now that I've been wanting to read, but I, I haven't read it. And it's called Range. And it's basically the premise is how, uh, or I think it's actually the tagline, is how, how generalists uh, thrive in a world of specialists assuming that book is good you know we can just follow <laughs> that advice
2: uh, so so our we stra- our strategy is based on a book that none of us has read
0: <laughs> i like it that, i've read yeah. the title i've read the title and the tagline. Uh,
1: uh, it sound, it makes a lot of sense sure. to me though yeah we we are the money ball of, of podcasts sure. we we don't we don't hit a lot of home runs but we do get on base
0: get on base yeah so yeah there you go so we're working that out right now um their initial reaction face, was
1: that doesn't face.
0: make any sense and you're stupid <laughs> uh, but i think that's just their starting point with every podcast they probably didn't mean that
1: hey if, if the free beacon doesn't want us we'll just go to comedy central
0: oh yeah definitely they're right number two right in there
1: we could make could
3: a pitch to the wall to the uh, examiner website well, this company. or the or to the paper
2: have, have we compared ourselves to the other um, podcast that specialize in poop?
0: Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly I've got some more research to do. You're not talking about reading the book, though, right? That's not part of the research, is it? No, no. I'm I'm accepting that the book is, you know, is good. Yeah, yeah, no, I've gotten everything I need to from the book.
1: Yeah. But I really think that Chris might be onto something here. What if we pitch it to a newspaper as a podcast that you what, get but, but with but the paper? Not for the website, for the paper. No, yeah, for the paper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for the Dead Tree edition. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, so with uh, with every delivered issue- to your house, you don't have to you don't have to pick up your phone and figure out to sign in, follow the links. No, it's
1: delivered to you. I like outdoors, it.
3: Though.
2: Yeah, uh, I like it. <laughs>
1: Transition. Uh, I, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang uh, on. All right. So, so this, these kind of ideas, this kind of groundbreaking podcasting, that is what our advertisers pay us for. And uh, flag, I believe that you have a new ad from our most loyal advertiser. this
2: week. Yes, I'm. I'm happy. Happy to have a uh, a wee harmony spot to to read. So here we go. As your infant. Wait, wait,
3: wait. wait. I'm, I'm excited about this because I'm pretty sure you can. Pronounce -er (laughs) (laughs) Winerki. I'm
2: pretty sure I can pronounce most of the words on the the page. We'll see, though. Has your infant ever screamed when placed in the arms of a friend of a different race or ethnicity? Does your preschooler Mm -hmm. express problematic opinions about ethnic foods or women Mm -hmm. in the workplace? Mm -hmm. Does your toddler stare contemptuously at the other kids when on multiracial playdates? Here at we Harmony, we know that an alarmingly high number of parents have no choice but to answer yes to one or more of those questions, and they've got the data to prove it. Tens, nay, hundreds, nay, thousands of users have downloaded the we Harmony app and have put their child on the road to enlightenment and social decency. Now WeHarmony is ready to take the next step. They're going beyond their technologically-based behavioral modification approach to early childhood development. They are pleased to announce a new experiential community-based model, which relies on the tried-and-true path of social acculturation and coercion. And it's fun for the whole family. We Harmony is proud to partner with Doubletree by Hilton and the Thomas Jefferson Foundation at Monticello to bring your family the weekend of a lifetime. Our new program is called Dude, Where's My Slave? <laughs> (laughs) Parents get to sell their child or children into slavery for the weekend. Instead of monetary compensation, parents are entitled to a relaxing long weekend at the gorgeous Doubletree Hotel in Charlottesville, Virginia, which includes couples massages, late-night hot tubbing, a world-class breakfast buffet, and those famous warm Doubletree chocolate chip cookies you know so well. Your children, meanwhile, will be living and working as slaves at Jefferson's beloved Monticello following in the footsteps of the Hemmings family low so many years ago. Choose from a menu of options. Field hand for the more outdoorsy child. (laughs) House slave for the more socially inclined. Kitchen hand for the kids who aren't afraid of a little peeling and slicing. No matter what you choose, your child will get pushed beyond what you or they thought possible. If their chubby little hands aren't blistered and their spirits aren't broken by the end of the weekend, we'll provide a full refund. And if they don't have the institutional racism on which this country was founded, seared into their very being by Monday morning, there's probably no hope for them. But don't take our word for it. Here's what folks are saying. Here's Logan, who works for a technology startup in Austin, Texas. My son Rhett was really needing this. His privilege was leading him down a childhood path full of unearned contentment and ignorance-based joy. It's safe to say that that door has been slammed shut. Now he'll never eat, dance again after slaving in the kitchen at Monticello. And my wife couldn't stop eating those Double Tree cookies. For information about pricing, head over to WeHarmony.com slash Slavery Weekend slash counting. <laughs> the program fills up fast, so reserve your pre- preferred dates ASEP. Dude, Where's My Slave is the perfect complement to the Wee Harmony app. Even a technology company like ours knows that the importance of experiential learning and human contact. It's a weekend that your child will never, ever
0: forget. Thanks, we see see We harmony. see, Wee Harmony's into the you know generalization thing too. You know, they're not gonna just stick to one
1: exactly. part of yeah. That's a company on it. the bank. How is this different from a summer camp?
3: Um, well you get the full Sally Hammond experience
1: here.
2: You come back. <laughs> I think it's Turkish. mostly I think it's mostly the slavery that's that's <laughs> the
3: difference. <laughs> Thomas, do you think we're ready for our advice segment? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so a uh, uh, concerned write, uh, person writes in. <laughs> on, on my wife and I's fifth anniversary, nice nice grammar, uh, I bought her some relatively expensive lingerie. I spent around 400 and it was one of those things she wore as a ha-ha and then say it in a closet for a year. It bugged me a little. She only ever wore it once, but it's not something to get really upset over, so I didn't pay it mind. She ended up giving it to all her, uh, giving it all to her friend who was newly married. I didn't find out until last week when it was my birthday, and I asked her if she'd put it on for me again. I was a little hurt because, A, it was an expensive gift, relatively speaking, and, B, I don't know about anyone else, but it's kind of weird to give that to someone, right? I mean, it's something intimate between my wife and I, and... It just gave me the heebie-jeebies, to be frank, that another woman was now wearing it. Maybe it's a faux pas, but I asked her friend to return it to me so I could get rid of it. I explained the situation, as I have here, and was immediately blocked on Facebook. She told mutual friends who all think I'm sort of some sort of sexual deviant for asking for a, for a woman's unmentionables. To drive it home, this is really isn't my friend, it's my wife's friend. We're just facebook friends was i the asshole or
1: was my wife the asshole what do you think which which anniversary was this fifth fifth how how much did it cost four hundred dollars okay ryan do you have any device i
0: think she should figure out if she has a milkman leave the jugs out for him and then step in front of a bus <laughs>
3: I should not have taken a sip just then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Chris? Clearly, this couple <laughs> is in need of some spiritual direction. Um, I, the, the thought that this guy is going to spend 400 bucks and give it to his wife and be like, you should put this on to please my eyes. Like, is there a, a more misogynistic thing that he could have done? And then it's like, Oh, it's my birthday. Could you put on this special lingerie? Yeah. Yeah. You're the asshole. Yeah. It's you. Um, go to church, uh, pray, uh, ask forgiveness for your sins. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, and hopefully during uh, the course of months and months of church attendance, uh, You'll find yourself going to the friend and apologizing. And it's not about giving the laundry back. It's That's an insane request. Just prayer, prayer is the answer.
0: I feel like so, that's a variation on what I said, but yeah.
2: <laughs> I think you should file for divorce and ask the friend out.
3: <laughs> the one that's but, blocked. But not, <laughs> but not <laughs> on Facebook, because you're blocked. You're right. Yeah, get her phone number. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Could her- Instagram.
1: Yeah, slide into the DMs to a, a whale. Hello what? there. <laughs>
0: you you uh, listen. This is the lingo. You throw a Snapchat at her. That's what you say. You you throw a Snapchat at her.
1: Is that what the kids say.
0: That is. I've been studying it.
1: The kids have moved on to TikTok, so I'm not sure they're on Snapchat anymore. By the talk. way, they, by the way, this is a good opportunity to announce that there is a mega thread on Snapchat now. For those who have Snapchat, get in touch and uh, I'll hook you up. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My advice, first that's of cool. all, I'm so su- I'm surprised that they have the same size so that she could just give it, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's neat. Um, I,
3: I, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I see what you're getting at.
1: Second, he should go and buy a second set. Yes. Same stuff, whatever, different color, uh, Go rent a hooker, and she will wear whatever he wants her to wear, and then he should go check himself into a mentalist.
0: Have a good time, <laughs> then go check yourself into a mental <laughs> I
3: Well, uh, I hope that we helped you today
1: um, with, with your issue, and God bless. Uh, uh, Flag, I believe that you have a question for Ryan
2: a question for Ryan. oh yes i don't like where uh, this is going the old i'm uh, i'm i'm continually flummoxed at the self checkout mechanism so
0: what what do you mean <laughs> flummoxed you can't figure it out
2: <laughs> well cash drawer. if i go there Bad. and i and i Ooh. have like five items i'm good okay but if but if i have more items than can fit in one bag then it starts to be a problem.
0: No, because not really. I
2: put, let's see, so here's what happens. Okay. I, I I fill the first bag, right, and then I lift that bag off. No, and then the no, lady says, no, the "Lady says, no, 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 put no. the item back." Why the bag. would you
0: lift that bag off? You're going to screw up the scale. <laughs> you don't lift the bag. You don't touch. Once you scan well, something, but where am I supposed and, to instead, put my other stuff? The, don't the, they have two? Don't they have two stalls of bags? No, no, there's only one. Where are you shopping? They've got to have two stalls of bags. You fill up the full first bag, you pull it forward a little bit, but while you don't, you don't do, you don't lift it at all. You don't lift an ounce off of that scale. You pull that bag forward. You can pull the next bag forward. And start filling up that bag while the other bag is still on the holsters. Because, you know, they've got those... It's not going to fit on that thing, though. You have to lift it off. If you have five items, a flag... I've checked. I don't out. know. There's Wait, only so I, I've, many. I've checked out with 40 area. 43 items at a self checkout before, and never had any issues. So what you do, you get your you get your it's small items. Right you get house. your small items in the bag. Shut up, Chris. This is important. <laughs> this is real stuff. This is not the jokey stuff that we normally do on the podcast. This is real life, and this is something I'm actually passionate about. <laughs> you 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 pull the bag forward. Just a little bit, but you still leave it on the stirrups. You yeah, know, like you those, got... Those, they've got those OBGYN stirrups on there. And so you, <laughs> you pull those forward just a little bit and you leave the bag on there. You don't lift it off of there. And you then you can open up the next bag enough to start putting stuff in there. If you have more things, like I said, I've checked out 30, 40 items at self-checkout where it says 10 item max. <laughs>
2: But so how is it? How is and it that all of that, all of those forty items can't fit on
0: that one scale? Well, like, what well, listen about? to me. So if you don't have two stalls of bags, that's a problem. So you should you should start looking into shopping somewhere else because you gotta have two stalls of bags because you can get four full bags on there at least. And then what you do, like if you got a twenty four pack of water, once you get everything in the bags, you set. The water on top. If you've got like you know a twenty four pack of Coke or Diet Coke, I don't know what's your fancy. You put it on top of there, and then the thing is with the items, the items that have to be the items that have to be um, age verified. You 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 have to unless unless you're at Walmart because honestly Walmart has the best early magazines. Uh, Walmart has the best tech for age verification because so if I'm at Hub. And I scan a thing of beer, it's going to, it's going to come, they're going to, it's going to stop me. I'm dead in the water until the, uh, self-checkout attendant can come in, punch in my birthday. They look at me and say, okay, you're 21. They'll punch in the birthday target. They will request your ID no matter how old you are. I've seen target request an ID for a 60 year old woman before target always requests the ID, um, and so, you know, if I am at the grocery store, H-E-B, they don't ask, but they've got to come over and they've got to punch in the birthday. So you're just sitting there until they punch in the birthday. So what you do in a situation like that, you scan your other stuff. If you know you've got like something, even if it sometimes it's medicin, oh. medicine, because if you've got um, – Or like, medicin uh, If, if you've got medicin <laughs> if you've got Medicin for all you you've got you 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 have to be over 18 and so they're still gonna have to punch in the birthday so you look around and you watch the attendant and if he's helping other people you scan your other things that you don't need age verification for and if you see he's done and he turns towards you you grab that that item that needs age verification you scan that right away and you wave him over you you do the you do the wave to him and say hey you, you show him what you've got and you scan it and he'll come right over and put it in because you don't – that way you don't have to wait for him. But at Target – or no, no, no. No, Walmart. What Walmart does, if you scan an item that needs age verification, you can scan it, put it in your bag. It'll pop up at, say, age verification required. But you can keep scanning other items. You can keep scanning the rest of your items. And then – the the, like the, the medicin the, or American milk jugs doesn't matter what milk jugs you know because those are glass you don't want to have kids buying milk <laughs> and and so uh, you can scan all of your items and all the attendant has to do is come over before you pay and then enter in your birth date so like you can do everything and then when at their leisure Like even if they're like getting a bite of their candy bar that they've got by behind their little kiosk there, they can come (laughs) over later when you say, hey, uh, I'm ready to pay. Can you please come over and put in my birthday? And oh, is is that wave a little bit different than the other wave you described? Or are they the same wave? No, it's a it's a very different wave. It's a friendly wave. Like, hey, I've scanned all my items. It's because the wave where if you if if it stops you dead from scanning, like most play, every There's play an game, urgency to that wave. Yeah, that is an urgent. Wave. Like, hey, come now because if you don't come, you are killing my time here. And I, like my average scan uh, time per transaction is going to go way up if you don't come we, now. And. Nips. Yeah. You ever get over eager though, and lift that bag, and then you hear that horrible voice say, that's, please that's put a, the
2: item back in the bag.
0: You know, that's something I used to do back when self-scan was first introduced. <laughs> I would do things like that, and that's, that's a silly mistake. You don't touch the items once you scan them. Don't touch the items once you scan them.
1: Ryan, have you heard of home delivery? What are you saying to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> Never, never, let's, let's, let's move on. No, no,
3: no. I, I'm, I'm glad that, that Ryan brought up this, this average, uh, like I'm, I'm glad he brought up grocery self-scanner metrics because the Moneyball book has not been written on this, but I feel like the advanced me- statistics and analytics community has, has, has kind of. Da- data come. is out there. The data is out there. That is out yeah. there. Some I, is I bet Ryan's really improved, uh, in, in, in a number of these areas. But but just 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 uh. (laughs) Ryan's a five-tool scanner.
0: But just people that's that's true. People are always calling me a tool when when I'm scanning.
3: (laughs) (laughs) To provide a condensed version for you, flag it. It sounds like you've only got one stall at your grocery store. We know your tenure. We know your tenure, but basically. You need Where to find a want, new job in a new what city. Company are,
0: what company are you? Uh, what company are you uh, negotiating your grocery purchases through? Hannaford.
2: What the hell is a Hannaford? It's a grocery store a, chain. York? Is that is that like a Wegmans? No, I, I, I think like, the same. I the, the, they well, might be owned by the same people, but uh, it's not. Well, it's a smaller thing. See, uh,
0: I've got to get up to the Northeast and start doing some research. Their grocery stores because that sounds like With the
3: one stalled. I mean, I feel like that would hurt a lot of your numbers, Ryan. It, it really, like, honestly,
0: I don't even know what I would do if I came up to a grocery store. Like, if I walked in the entrance, he like <laughs> can only use two and of his tools. tools. Hey, <laughs> it, like, because as you do, like, as most people do, as I walk in the entrance, I get a cart and I I stroll by the self checkout area if I've never been there before because you got to get a look at it because if the self checkout area looks like shit then i'm just gonna leave that cart there and i'm gonna go back out to my car and find another place to shop and so if if i saw one stall
3: so ryan whoa, whoa whoa whoa, is this a new thing um that you check it out on the way in because i thought you you told us that you left a grocery cart full of groceries
0: okay chris i said if i've never shopped there before but if i've been to a place that i shop at you know multiple times a week and I know it's good, but then I get my groceries and find out that there's some construction going on and self-checkout has been closed down for the week. Then I make a decision as to whether, you know, because obstacles just, just melt in the aisles you walk out of. You've got to decide well, you've got to decide like how much time did you spend gathering those groceries? How much time is it gonna drive you take to drive you to the other H E B that's, you know, on the other side of your house? So, you know, you, you've got to figure you got to factor all those things in, you got to get your phone out, get your calculator going, start punching in numbers, and then if it makes sense, yeah, you just leave your cart of groceries right there and you walk out the door.
1: Okay. So, question, are 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 handheld scanners a thing in the US?
0: Yeah. So, there are so like they have handheld scanners at Targets, they um, have them at Costco. And yes, Thomas, when you come to South Dakota, have, I will show you Costco. Had, have, you the at, have you gone through the self-checkout at Costco? We don't have self-checkout yet. What the fuck is going on at your Costco? <laughs> I went to Costco the other day. They have self-checkout. That is disgusting. I'm very sorry. I, like Chris, I've I've made fun of Sioux Falls before, but you know, it was all in jest, and now I'm like I'm genuinely just, <laughs> concerned? Yeah, depressed and concerned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah costco has some great costco has great scales because the scales don't get screwed up if you you know maybe move an item around a little bit um uh, and they have scanner they have handheld scanners to where you can just scan everything with the handheld scanner you don't have to run it over that stupid scanner on the thing heb has handheld scanners uh costco has handheld scanners target has handheld scanners that's the thing. Walmart does not have handheld scanners.
3: All right. All right. Like, this is starting to sound – we, we got to cut off the segment. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're starting uh, to sound like Rain Man.
1: I'm just, I'm just getting started. So, uh, transition. We figure that we should try something new on the podcast. Uh, we are actually going to have not just a poem, but we are actually going to have song and dance. Uh, So, uh, fellas, you're in charge. You're just going to have to take our word
3: for it that we're dancing. (laughs) Because we are. Flag, do you want to tell us about this or are we just doing it? Yeah, I don't think. I think it's pretty
2: self explanatory. I wanted to uh, write a uh, kind of a triumphal um, poem in honor of uh, Vic's recent uh, turn to to health. And. You know, the poem just turned into a song.
1: Okay. All right. Well, um, Elton John, take it away. All right. Thomas, can we get
3: some swelling music just to get an introduction (laughs) here into the song? I know it's probably not going to be in the right key, but if you can just take some music and have just a crescendo and a swelling of maybe some orchestral, some brass... the glory of the coming of his health. He is cutting out the sweetbreads while sneaking oaky bowls and stealth. As he sweats on the treadmill, all his books are on the shelf. His truth is marching on. <laughs> glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Subbeacon, my beacon, where are ya? It's Truth is marching on. That baby kale salad seems hardly worth the trip. Lunching at the palm should mean a 12 count to you, New York. What a lobster for the table keeps all the votes within Vic's grip. His blood work is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, sub in my beacon, where are ya, the truth is marching on, those glory Georgetown days are over, yet the lovely Kate remains, the cop edited by three, and he's off to catch a plane. The lecture circuit calls a free cocktails. He shan't complain. VIX Buzz is marching <laughs> on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. The beat might be <laughs> <in> where are VIX Truth is marching on. Emma Watson's in his dreams, now that he's <laughs> right. The lady's at the crazy horse, oh man, that's also tight. But Dick's left all that behind, now that wood shop is his plight. Fix truth is <laughs> on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. To be in my and where are ya? Vic truth is marching on. Into the studio he walks. Who's there but JVL? My eyes keep falling, but my head's still big as hell. <laughs> Only for a spell, Gene must keep marching on. <laughs> glory, glory, hallelujah! Yeah, sing it with me, boys. Glory, glory, glory. glory. Yeah. It's the beat. I beat. We hear ya, Vic's Truth is marching on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was so well done, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> for the record, Shannon was supposed to sing that, but she got sick. So <laughs> you get what you get. You get what you get, and you don't, don't throw a fit. I
2: don't
1: think Shannon could have beat that. <laughs> all right. We are we are on a – thank you so much, Chris. Uh, we are on a schedule today. Flag, do you have a movie quote for us?
2: I do. I do. Um, all right, here we go. Hello, is this Human Resources? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I'm here about the job opening. Oh, which one? Oh, I'm here about the um, the wait, wait, 11 the thirteenth warrior position. <laughs> that was Antonio Banderas in the thirteenth warrior.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That's a really good transition into. Like, did you know we we're gonna talk about that movie?
2: Oh, that is so weird. No,
1: we didn't tell him. Okay. Yeah, we are. We are gonna talk about the Thirteenth Warrior. Which uh, Chris, the Thirteenth Warrior, is most famous for what? I would say it's most famous for being
3: one of the biggest financial boondoggles in Hollywood <laughs> history. Okay. Do you want some numbers on that?
0: Let's hear. Yes. it. Yes. All right. So production for the Thirteenth Warrior in 1996 because it got pushed back for yeah. two years. It, they 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 made like a first cut. They but started. Yeah, well, hated it so, so much. So, okay, so John McTiernan uh, is. It, it, do you guys know about the Michael Crichton book Eaters of the Dead and the yes. the whole controversy with that? So uh, tell us about it. Michael Crichton Crichton wrote this book, Eaters of the Dead, and he claimed – it's kind of like a Beowulf ripoff – but he claimed that it was based on this manuscript of this Iraqi named Ahmad Tulsi, which Tulsi is a popular name right now. (laughs) And it was translated by Frost Dullus – I'm not very good with Latin – but that's the closest I can get. Uh, those words in Latin both mean hoax and fraud. <laughs> so. Michael Crichton made up that this was based on a historical manu- manuscript because that's what the book said. The book was like, oh, th- I, I found this manuscript written by Ahmad Tulsi, who is this Arab man who fought with these Norsemen. Um, but it was all made up. He didn't have a manuscript. None of this is historical at all. But that's Wait, what he said so, when he wrote the book in 1976. So he wrote a a
3: novel, but was it supposed to be like historical fiction?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so he said that like, no, no, this is like, uh, this is, this is real. And he listed in his bibliography, Ahmad Tulsi, a person he made up. And then it was translated, uh, by Frost Dolos. F R A U S D O L U S, and uh, which translate rough, roughly to bullshit. To, yeah, basically. So Crichton, uh, I, I th- translated by Mister. Bullshit. I, I think before he died, like Mister. admitted that he made it all up. Um, but anyway, so so the so there was no there's this book this movie and book are in there's no historical basis for it at all. Um, John McTiernan... I'm shocked. John (laughs) McTiernan was hired to... John McTiernan was hired to direct this. You're like, like, we really like Die Hard.
3: It seemed seemed like a documentary almost to me. In 1996,
0: he was hired to uh, direct this movie. And the first cut was so bad. Like, audiences... (laughs) Audiences hated the McTiernan version. So, they brought in Michael Crichton to do the reshoots for it. Are we
3: sure that this is the better version? Uh,
0: yeah, exactly.
3: And
2: so...
0: They're like, we're, they're like, we're $90 million in. Like, how do we fix this reshoot, film? After reshoots in 1998, this cost $160 million. In today's money, that hundred and forty-six million dollars so i mean but that's okay i mean it probably brought it it probably
3: grossed 200 million in the u.s right uh well try 170 less than that <laughs> I, I thought it, i thought it grossed 20 million in the u.s no yeah, 32 ish okay and
0: then like 60 something <clears throat> worldwide total total yeah yeah, 60 something I didn't look up the worldwide. I just knew the I just know the 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 US gross was thirty two million dollars.
3: And so the reason we selected this is is this continues our nineteen ninety nine series. So although production started it took a long time because
0: Yeah, but it came out it
3: did come out in nineteen ninety nine, even though it was it took years to develop because Reshoot after
0: reshoot after reshoot.
3: Were you going to share that Omar Sharif uh, basically quit acting? Yeah, Omar Sharif 5% retired
0: <laughs> for three years after this movie. There's
3: a, there's a quote uh, out of Guilt. With that. <laughs> let me find the quote on that. Uh, do you want to know about the score? Uh, no, so, no, 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 no. Let, let me read the quote first. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is from Wikipedia. The outcome of the film's production disappointed Omar Sharif so much that he temporarily retired from film acting, not taking another role in another major film (laughs) until 2003's Monsieur Ibrahim. Um, And he said, here's the quote, after my small role in The 13th Warrior, I said to myself, let's stop this nonsense. These meal (laughs) tickets that we do because it pays well? I thought, unless I find a stupendous film that I love and makes me want to leave home to do, I will stop. Bad pictures are very humiliating. I was really sick. It's terrifying to have to do the dialogue from bad scripts to face a director who does not know what he was doing <laughs> a film so bad, it's not even worth exploring. Uh, bad so, scripts. Bad script. <laughs> that was the one strength of the movie.
1: <laughs> well, so, so the amazing thing here, right, is that John McTiernan, he did Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Lost right. Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Thomas Crown Affair, and then 13th Warrior,
0: Right, John McTiernan's not terrible. Well, so right. I'm thinking like this movies. was just this was just such a mess that like who knows what his cut would have looked like. You know, I mean, his cut probably because Crichton was pissed that he was not sticking to the script enough. Um, the book it, enough the the book enough right right right. Uh, but I think um, did did hang on. Did Crichton actually write the script as well? No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Somebody else wrote the script. William Wisher wrote the screenplay. William Wisher's other credits are IT in 2016, Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist in 2005, Exorcist beginning in 2004, Judge Dredd, 1995, The Sylvester. Judge Dredd. Dredd. (laughs) Terminator yep, Two, uh, Judgment Day, which let, Just, let's be honest, that was a high Brado, The Outlaw Wars, TV movie, nineteen eighty nine. He
2: he saved all the good. His all and, his good, uh, writing stuff for Antonio.
0: Uh, the Terminator, nineteen ninety four. Boy, he went downhill from his first one.
1: Quick question here: Did anyone present on this podcast?
0: Enjoy this movie. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think you so know the to that. not <laughs> even a little bit. I felt
2: like Antonio Banderas had this look about him that was <laughs> like as as if as if he was he was on like a uh, a, a his his semester abroad, his junior year, and was <laughs> like, a little. And it was a little drunk
0: most of the time. He, he like like he seriously thought I'm never gonna act again. I'm never gonna get another job. That's well, because he, he had he had
2: lines such as, "It's just a man.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, just just a man. man.
2: it's just a man. I was wrong. Just a man. And they want us to think they are bears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay." So what is with his accent? Like is just Antonio, Antonio Branderas is from Spain. Yeah. He he did not attempt to change the way he talks at all. <laughs> I can imagine some nineteen ninety six or ninety seven movie executive was be like, Oh yeah, Antonio Banderas, he'll be great. Um well so like the character is is uh, is Iraqi and um <laughs> uh, like uh yeah. Uh, Antonio Barris is, Banderas is from Spain, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's the same thing, right?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they look the same. <laughs> what? I don't. I, I don't understand why he was cast for this character and not even tried to disguise his uh, Spanish accent. You ready? Flag. <laughs> <clears throat> the movie opens.
3: First line. I am. Ahmadine, Aldan, ibn al-Abbas ibn Rasid, ibn Hamad I'll be back in a little
0: while. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make
3: the most offensive pronunciation.
0: He I'm... says that he says that with you
3: know, <laughs> you know. Accent. He, yeah. he says it's it about so as well as I just did right there. It was yeah. about the
0: same. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're 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 on a ship that is uh tossing and turning on a green screen, and um, the green screen work is so bad, because (laughs) at at one point, uh, they tilt the camera to make it look like the ship is, you know, almost at a 90-degree angle. But, and like, but the Norsemen are just like, they're not like, falling down, they're just like, kind of like, hanging on to each other and leaning. And then, Antonio (laughs) Banderas is drinking soap! (laughs) (laughs) They show waves. They show waves on the green screen that are, you know, 20, 30 feet. The ship is at, you know, almost an angle where it's about to tip over. And Antonio Banderas is just drinking this drinking this hot soup, like,
1: oh, it's hot.
0: Oh, you mean you didn't spill it all over yourself? When uh, the ship almost tipped over? Things were not always thus.
3: At one time, I was a poet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was he was a poet. Life was easy. I lived without care. (laughs) Esther Shah. (laughs) Um, Until one fateful day, I met a beautiful woman who belonged to another man. I was so shocked when he said that. Her jealous husband complained to the caliph. (laughs) And so he sent off to be an ambassador to the land of Tusak Vlad, a country far to the north. I was banished far from my home and from all that I knew. And so we see him journeying, and in narration, uh, accompanied by Omar Sharif, um, old friend of my father, through the land of all this stuff, uh, into the land of the murderous bandits, the tartar sauces. (laughs) Packed caravans slaughtering everybody. And so you see these menacing tartars coming, and they're coming, and then turn away. Why? Because because they don't look that menacing. (laughs) <laughs> you know they don't they're, they're just like yeah they don't look menacing at all but, but, oh, like but the, four people on horseback there,
1: there was some really weird camera work going on there because okay it was just a few guys but when, when they were running they down were towards the river it seemed like they were chasing them much closer than they actually were because they get to the river, and then it pans up to, like, the cliff where the four horsemen are. Right, like like, seven miles away already. Not even <laughs> close.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, they were total assholes. <laughs> so, somehow, instead of getting killed, um, he's sent away to be an ambassador. But somehow his work as an ambassador just involves, like, traveling dangerously. And then he's kind of doing the work of a cultural anthropologist. He shows up in, like, unless they're actively trying to kill you he basically will sit in the camp and like ask questions to try to it's his, his assignment seems very vague i mean I... yeah
1: right yeah. so so they meet the so why,
3: why do the tartars run away because they see thomas's people
1: uh yeah and they meet them and antonio banderas is very confused he doesn't know who they are and he he asks like the guides or whoever he's with and they and they tell him that, well, we're essentially, we're either going to die or they're going to be friendly. We don't know. <laughs> we'll see. They turn out to be relatively friendly and uh, they camp with them and he does this anthropology anthropology thing and just sits there and chats with them. So so here's one of my first complaints about this movie. They are in, are in like Ukraine or Belarus or yeah, Bulgaria? Yeah, there's supposed to be in the Volga River, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So the Vikings that went there they were from they were Swedes. The language that most of these actors are speaking is Norwegian. Well, okay, the, the information I have was that
3: so they understood Greek but couldn't speak Greek, so they spoke Latin back. Yes.
1: They were definitely speaking Norwegian to each other. except for the Seerus who was speaking Swedish. where later in the movie when you get to King Rothgar, that's a famous Swedish actor. I couldn't get over the language thing in the beginning.
3: Okay, so, yeah, so they hang out, and and uh, there's some really stupid dialogue, like, what do you think a potentate would be called? And there's a surely an emperor. Uh, they're looking for the king. Sounds like the king is dead. Um, he witnesses a Viking funeral where they burn the funeral pier. The next morning, uh, they get, everyone gets, like, roaringly drunk, right? And they my... wake up in the morning, and they see another ship has arrived with a boy just standing there next to it. And do you guys remember what the what the
1: line is? About the bo- He's standing there so they will know he's real? Or something stupid yes. like that? Yes! There's a boy standing out there...
3: On the bow like he's a statue. And <laughs> then they're like... The boy is letting them see him. He's, oh, right. he's in vain sight. They do not know if what they see is real. Something to do with the mist. <laughs> Apparently they find dangerous things. Spirits of the mist. So the boy, out of courtesy... Stood there for a while to establish that he's real.
1: Anyway, so let's uh, fast forward to the the old lady who enters the tent. So they're all hanging out in the tent. Yes. And the old lady enters, and she's mumbling something, (laughs) and Omar Sharif is translating uh, together with one of the other guys. And it turns out that there is some sort of trouble in a distant land, and they need to pick, you guessed it, Thirteen Warriors. Hey, that's the name of the movie. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so Punch backed Oracle. Yep. Yep. She's just Here's what's confusing to me. So if I was Antonio Banderas, in this situation, I wouldn't want to join the guy, the twelve others, and go on this mission.
0: But he's but totally he, into it.
1: Yeah, he never he so never he, makes even a hint
3: has, at escaping. He has no reservations about going to certain death. Of course I'm gonna go. I'm a messenger. <laughs> and he, he learns the language by listening. I'm yeah, like, at a campfire. Get there. At, at <laughs>
2: he
0: goes, How did you learn the language? I love listening. them. What? I, I yeah. love that they zoomed in on their mouths and he's like, Oh no. <laughs> like they're they're all speaking the, the you know, they're all speaking a language he doesn't understand to each other and somehow from that at one campfire he figures it out but he tells them in english which they all understand <laughs> right so
3: omar sharif isn't going with him. how are they going to communicate he no longer has a translator so yes they sit down to a fire and he sits there for about 5 minutes and listens to them talk and waits in Norwegian. just like just like ryan just like ryan waits until we say something about him to tell us that he's actually on the podcast yeah, like, we're like, I wonder if Ryan's here. And he's like, did somebody say wonder? Yeah. They're, they're like, look at this Arab Did somebody douche. say wonder? Oh, I know Norwegian now. They're like, who's this Arab douche over here? And he's like, I hear what you say. And they're like, how did you learn our language? And Flag, what did he say? I listened. <laughs> he listened to five minutes of talk around the campfire. Talk, locker room talk mostly. And suddenly he's using vocabulary that he probably didn't hear in that in that conversation. Yeah. But you know, the powers of of conjecture
0: And he can draw he can draw (laughs) words too.
3: So the the problem of them speaking different languages is solved in about five
0: minutes and writers doing a bunch of it didn't need to be solved because they all knew that they all spoke English before the whole time anyway. (laughs) Antonio Banderas does have a bit of an accent, but they were able to figure it out.
1: (laughs) I generally have a problem with movies where American or English actors are pretending like they have a foreign accent and wish that they would just speak English. And here they have this sort of creative solution to it, but it's worse. Like, it it is so dumb that I am not... The Hunt for the Red
0: October handled this the best. Where they started off for the first few minutes of the movie. They were, they were speaking Russian on the sub in perfect Russian accents and everything. But that was only for a few minutes with subtitles. And then it zoomed in on Sean Connery's mouth. And then as he was speaking in the middle of the sentence, it switched to English. And from the rest of the movie, they just spoke in English the rest of the movie That was the, that was the best way that's ever been handled in a movie. Right, and right, right, I agree. Right.
3: Sean Connery should
0: be in all the movies. He should be. With
3: <laughs> but foreign but languages the, but the, but spoken. But the
1: thing here is that you, you like they intentionally make it part of the plot that they speak different languages. Right. And they they somehow did not, to not fix do that. That was
0: totally a waste of time. They could have <laughs> cut 10 minutes out of this movie. Well, that's why they needed Omar
2: Sharif to be the <laughs> genius translator. <laughs> so
3: he, they needed him to quit acting. <laughs> because he was so <laughs>
0: embarrassed about they're like, we're really gonna take you down a peg here, but we need you.
3: They land the boat, and they're they're basically comparing dick size. Like <laughs> the the Northmen have really big horses, and <laughs> they make fun of Antonio Banderas
0: for having how, a small horse. How, how lucky was it that somebody had set up that equestrian track for him <laughs> to show what his horse can do? That was so cool. He's like, like oh. oh, you have a dinky
3: little horse, and he's yeah. like ah but watch this and then he jumps over a tree that was
2: like when there are the parallel bars and the jurassic park movie
0: <laughs> I, I definitely like, didn't think that that his horse uh, you know was going to come into play later i didn't think that at all
3: <laughs> you don't think yeah that that didn't that surprised you as foreshadowing
0: it did. Went like later on when he had to save that little girl by doing by running the equestrian course to get her. I was like, "Holy shit! It's a good thing he had that horse." It's a good thing he's now a horse that can hurdle, and yeah. What? Now I now I feel stupid for calling him a pussy for having a small horse.
2: If you guys had been watching this in a theater, would you have walked out?
1: I, I don't walk well, out of movies. So no. I I there's.
0: I've walked out of one in my life. I'll have to ask Rose which one it was, but we've walked out of one. When she gets home, I'll ask her which one that was, but I cannot remember. I walked out of Little Shop of Horrors. It's just like a Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's I don't ter- think I've bought a ticket to that.
2: <laughs> it's terrible.
3: Isn't, isn't that a cult classic? Don't people love that? I think the
2: original one was, and I think this was a remake with uh, Tim Moranis.
1: Yeah.
3: Rick, yeah, Rick, yeah.
2: Moranis. Rick Moranis, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, shrugged the kids I just
0: Hated
1: Chris. it. Chris, have you ever walked out? Nope.
0: Not uh, a once. Not a once. Rose and I have once. I didn't before. I didn't before, but when Rose and I were first married, we walked out of one movie. What the hell was it? I can't mm-hmm. remember. She'll remember because she's walked out of two movies. She walked out of any given Sunday before I knew her. Is that the sequel to Any Given Sunday? That's any, what I any, given Sunday, any
3: given Sunday before I knew her. Any <laughs> given Sunday
0: before I knew her.
3: We have these twelve warriors who are super badass who can track, and then we have Antonio Banderas who takes his shirt off sometimes. <laughs> um, but like we get their bona fides as badasses because they're like, uh, there's no horse tracks; they were afoot. Their heads are missing, so I mean, they're, they're, they they establish that they're they're really good—not just warriors, but they can track. They they can do all the things necessary to accomplish this task of of finding the mist and, and the bear people.
1: Right, and they, they show up in the village, and they immediately notice that something is obviously wrong here because there's no one between, what, the ages of 5 and 50 or something, like men?
0: Right, yep. yeah, he said between 5, no, between 15 and 50. There's no Fif- men between 15 and 50. So um, in the book, uh, the mist people were supposed to be descendants of Neanderthals. But in the movie, they don't really explain who they are.
3: Well, at this point, it's all thought that they're
0: mythical creatures, that they're right. these right. Yeah, they're bear monsters. Because they only come when there's, like, a heavy fog.
1: First yeah, they, they attack at night when there is a heavy fog. And so they meet uh, the king, King Rothgar, played by Sven Walter, who um, is, seems very old, very tired, uh and he explains to them that they need help because i knew your father i know i can trust you yada yada but when they first have their opening kind of feast thing yeah. right,
3: right away we have the king's son
1: who like, randomly like
3: hates them right yep like this is the plot that we see there and then it comes up one more time and then they never bring it up again
0: <laughs> yeah like,
3: never again
0: I have a feeling that during reshoots, that's one of the things Michael Crichton was just like, let's get rid of this. (laughs) Because the other stuff in like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Michael Crichton wanted to leave in all the bullshit about the missed people and not explaining, you know, er, or more stuff about them than he did about, you know, the actual relationships with the people that we'd seen on screen. So we uh, see the
3: king, who's grateful to have these 13 warriors come to his aid. But for some reason, his son's a giant douche about it. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't like you people. Why are you here? Blah, 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 blah. And the king's like, this is still my hall. Get out of here. So he leaves. And the only other time we see the son. And so they use this scene. Um, This this dude who's, who's loyal to the, the prince. One of the warriors challenges him and acts the whole time. Like he's tired and he can't fight, just Jeez. to set him up at the very end so he could chop his head off. And the whole point of that scene is to show how badass these warriors are. Like if you and,
0: thought and, they were and kind Antonio of badass, Banderas is completely confused because he's like, "You could have killed him at any time." Like <laughs> he's like, he's like, "Yeah." Now he has to think about something that he doesn't understand, and Antonio Banderas says, "A fear he cannot see." And that's the first time I was like, "Oh, movie."
1: <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is, like, this is and then we never
3: see the prince again. That no. was the
0: first the first
3: time.
1: No, this is
0: that's this, the first yeah. time I wrote it down.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, and it is so. I, I wrote,
0: "Oh, movie."
1: Because there's obviously from the beginning, or when they originally shot this, there was supposed to be more about the prince, but he's he's just gone. That's the last yeah, movie to see. But so, during the first night in the camp, they all decide to, in the Great Hall, to go sleep in a circle. And jerk Anto- it. Antonio Banderas <laughs> wakes up. I didn't see is- that part. <laughs> it's assumed, <zoom> flag.
0: <laughs> right, I'm like, if
1: they're in a circle,
0: circle up, you- jerk
1: it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> why are we in a circle?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, Banderas is very confused as to why this is happening.
2: Why are, are we they
1: forming a
3: circle? Yeah. <laughs> Are you Vikings going to jerk it now?
1: <laughs> and then later on at night, they get attacked by what they still believe are beasts, and not actually people. Right. And they ma- they manage to fight them
3: off. Then the the then the fireworm, which isn't actually a fireworm, it's actually just just a bunch of warriors with torches. They come and they attack the city. At yeah. the point of the city's breaking, they leave for no reason and they call off the attack. And allow, you know, whatever living, remaining Vikings to regroup. Suddenly, this, like, chick shows up and offers Antonio Banderas uh, something to drink. Yeah, we're probably going to die tonight. And at that point, I'm, like, jokingly, like, yeah, we're going to die, so let's go bang. And then they went and they, (laughs) like, the joke that I was making, they did. They went and they had, not a sex scene, but, like, they went from being like, we're going to die tonight... Uh, cut to like a ten second scene with them just like lying in bed under a blanket. Cut and then like I don't know, he hit it and quit it, and they're off to 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 see some other old lady because old ladies are wise and have information.
1: The old lady essentially tells them to go to a cave. No, no, no. She tells them to go to seek them in the earth, right? Like in because, the ground. Because-
3: the thing I skipped during the night when they all attacked is they actually saw them and, and and what did what was the big realization Antonio had? It's only a man. Because he removes
1: one of their... Uh, um, they, they wear like these bear suits, yeah. Right. And he removes one of them and notices that, oh, this is just a person. This is just a face or something like that.
2: It's shocking yeah. that no one had thought to remove the masks before.
1: After they see the woman who tells them to go seek for the bears in the ground, what do they do? Well, she's like they think they're bears.
3: What do bears do? Like this, th- th- I love the movie logic. They think they're <laughs> bears, so they must be in a cave. And if you kill their mother and their leader, or both, or something, they'll give up. Yeah, yeah, they will lose the will to fight. And so, so they so they go out because uh, they have uh, supreme scouting uh, skills. But at the same time, these Neanderthals seem to be able to cover their tracks really well, because most of the time, they don't leave tracks. But then, at this point, they're like, oh, look at this, like, they don't even bother to cover their tracks. Like, they're not afraid of anything. Uh, Because in in this movie, you can just totally do a 180 and change the entire character of the thing. So, they're able to track them, and they scout ahead. They're like, they're... we think there's a cave ahead, which is really good because the wise old lady said they would live in a cave. <laughs> so they sneak into the cave, they find the mother.
1: Alright, but gotta, so yeah. in in the cave, they somehow manage to avoid detection, even though it seems like they are just a few feet away from the bare feet. Well, they, they take their armor off. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so they're not exactly. like clank,
1: clank, clank, clank except for one guy who refuses. Except for one guy, he's like I I
3: I don't take my armor off for anything.
1: Yeah, so they they sneak past them a few feet away and then they then they have the ropes with them and they get down into the river because they can't go down the path or something like that. They they find a bear lady and the current king is he a king at this point? Sure. <laughs> sure. He's not uh, and Paris the, the heir apparent The guy
3: whose name is a modification of Beowulf. Isn't he supposed to be Beowulf? Yeah. No. <laughs> bull
1: or something? Yeah, something like that. He decides that he's going to go and kill the bear mother. And mm. so he goes and does that. Bear mother. But he either gets bitten by the snake or scratched by the woman. This is unclear to me still. This badass warrior fights an
3: unarmed woman uh with the, he has a sword, she has a snake and somehow he gets poisoned.
1: You can tell immediately that he's w- super weak yes. and he can like it looks like he can barely do anything and then to get out of there he's still able to swim through an underground river like a really long way. <laughs> but but my point of like he him you
3: know it not being clear what happens is the up close action in this movie is so friggin terrible the camera will flash for like half a second at people kind of tussling and then it'll yeah. flash to something else and it's never clear what's happening
1: no, it's the, the, the action scenes are, are not very I mean, not much of this movie is very well shot no, <laughs> McTiernan definitely
3: blew his load with the diehards <laughs> he had nothing left to give, they swim a really long way despite Bulvai being uh, poisoned but as soon as he gets out, he's like, I'm dead. and so he dies. Yeah. Uh,
1: No, no, he, di- he, di- he doesn't die. He is alive for the last battle. Oh, he is? Okay, all right. Yeah, he's alive. So he's on his deathbed, and uh, Antonio goes and says good night and good luck to him. And then they go out for the last fight, and he has a blanket around him and comes out for it. And I believe he is the one who kills the leader.
3: Okay, so they killed the mother, but they also need to kill the leader yeah. because that's the rules we were told by the old lady. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. and obviously she is right. <laughs> obviously, she like this mysterious culture that no one has knows anything about. In fact, they think they're magic. Suddenly, they've got a cultural anthropologist who gets them. The problem is they're misogynists and just didn't listen to her until they needed to. So they kill the leader, and then everyone else just gives up. Yeah. Yeah, and that, it, it, there are like hundreds of them. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, while there's just a few warriors left, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the problem is that what the bear people should have done is that the night when they came down with the fire serpent, they should just have slaughtered all of them. Yeah, They. they I
3: mean, they literally gave up for no reason. Yeah. They're overrun. There's basically 12 warriors and an Arab poet um. But, oh, we forgot to talk about how. So not only did he have a smaller horse that did equestrian courses, he also they they give him a Viking sword. and He's like, I I can't lift this. <laughs> and at, at, and it's the, at the first opportunity he has, he takes it and like shaves half of it off and curves it. Yeah, he's a so blacksmith. It turns out. Yeah. <laughs> he modifies it, and then he's a very effective warrior because he's got like a. Scimitar or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something scimitar-like.
2: Why why does Antonio uh, Banderas lose the eye makeup like a third (laughs) of the way through the movie? (laughs) This
1: is a good question. He looked much more intimidating at the beginning. Maybe Omar Omar (laughs) Sharif was his makeup artist. This is, yeah. Is it at the end of the movie, too, where he has the entire movie, he has refused to drink because... He cannot drink fermented grain or um, or grape. But then the attractive Scandinavian lady is no, no, who is it? It's um, his big brother.
2: Yeah, gives him the honey
3: water, right?
1: Yeah, the honey. Wa-
3: Meat is made from honey. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then it's all good because he can yeah. drink mead. Is is that, is that a real thing? Like, so you're telling me
3: Muslims can, can drink mead but not wine or beer?
1: I have no idea. I thought that it was a rule against Lola. It doesn't, yeah, sound, right. It
3: doesn't sound right
1: to me. Right. <laughs> I don't think they did their homework on this one.
2: <laughs> it's the worst. It's probably the worst movie I've ever seen.
1: I'm not sure if it's the worst, but it is definitely up there. Down there. That? I was bored. All of, yeah. For
2: most of it.
3: Uh, I mean, early on when there was kind of a mystery, I, and maybe it was just because I, I had seen it before. I was like, what? What like who are? Like what? I, 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 for the first like 45 minutes I was like, what's what's going to happen? What's what's going to happen? So, I mean, does that mean I was into it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert said this about it. He said it lumbers from one expensive set piece to the next without taking the time to tell a story that might make us care. Yeah. That about sums it up. Yeah. I think yeah. that's
2: accurate. Yeah. I just I was never Terribly, I mean, I never knew exactly what was going on or why, but I wasn't that interested to find out.
1: Chris mentioned this in Foreplay: Mortal Engines is not a great movie, but at least it's entertaining. Yeah. In a way. Like, I think. Very was, entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know. It was just bad. It was just bad. Yeah,
2: I would not say that
3: about this movie.
1: Half a star. Thank God it's over. <laughs> I'm never watching this again.
3: I think if they made it today, they would they would probably put more humor in. When, when they were like, yeah, that boy's standing there to let us know that he's real. I think they would have tried to make that funny rather than just like, that's a weird superstition. That a boy gets out of the boat and out of respect just stands there. Because he's in the mist and he wants them to know that he's... R- I, I mean, there would have been some element of humor. Um, that, I mean, oh. they worked really hard to justify and to make it be like... Wow, like these Muslim cultures are really sophisticated. They're different. Like so, his horse is is more nimble, and and and, and there there are so so many advantages. They could read and write. Uh, There's there that effort there, but there it was always so very earnest. But it wasn't like funny or or like interesting.
1: All right, guys. So we. Uh... We don't recommend The 13th Warrior, uh, but we have done another 1999 movie. If you have ideas on which one we should do next, feel free to DM us, tweet at us, email us, smoke signal, Snapchat us, message us on Facebook. I think that's it. That is all the time we are giving to this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Flag, for coming on.
3: Happy to be back. Go, go watch 13th Warrior.
1: Or or don't, I don't care.